Pam Powell. Yeah, I'm Chuck, so happy to see you. I am so happy I to was, see you. I was so worried the pirates or something were going to get you when you went to Cuba or that you were going to be, you know, blown off course into the Bermuda Triangle and I was never going to see you again. So I'm really glad that you're back. Oh, God, the Bermuda Triangle is near there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think oh, you were shit. skirting the edge, but a, a big squall would have pushed you over. So I was a little worried about That's that. That's probably a so. good thing I wasn't helming the boat there because we, we might have gone into deep water. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> look at me. Well, But you're back. I am. Which is great. And uh, I know that you have many adventures that you can share with folks on your, I think you're writing a couple articles about your trip. I am. Uh, Cuba was quite the experience and um, interesting in how our government says one thing on the website. In actuality, it's something else. (gasps) You're kidding. No, I'm not. I'm shocked. It's shocking to everybody. (laughs) But yeah, I, I have an upcoming article. I believe it's due out today or tomorrow. In Fat Lifestyle Magazine, you can now. Can you read. spell that? Because every time you say fat. that, it is not fat. Okay, fat. Fat. F E T E. It's French. You should know that, Mr. Frenchman. Fit. Fat. Fit. Fit. Lifestyle. Dot com. Lifestyle magazine. Dot com. Not fat magazine. Not fat. Fat magazine. Not that there's anything fat wrong with that. Lifestyle magazine. No, not at all. <laughs> but we want people to be able to find the article. F E T E Lifestyle Magazine.com. Yes. And yeah, check out Will our Will there be pictures too? Yes, yes. Great. Plenty of pictures. We actually had somebody on board, Dan Kelly. Thank you very much for bringing your real camera, or as I call it, your big ass camera along with you. BAC. Uh huh. And I used to do that, and I've gotten lazy over the years, uh-huh. and then I see the quality difference, and I'm like, shit, I gotta start bringing well, my big ass camera with me. You know, when again. you're traveling, I mean, you don't need one more thing and that's no. why you talk your way out of it or talk yourself out of it. Yeah, so. yeah. but from now on, I'm going to start bringing my big-ass camera with me, my B-A-C. Mm-hmm. And talk about big-ass things. Let's talk about the big-ass movie. No? Well, I want to talk about a big-ass mistake before oh. we get to the big-ass movie. I don't know if you heard this <laughs> while you were gone. Uh, AMC's latest debacle. Oh, I did hear about that. Jesus Christ. They're like the Democratic Party. They just shoot themselves in the foot all the time. Can you do anything dumber, AMC? If you weren't paying attention or you didn't hear this, apparently now in some major markets, and of course this is intended to spread all through the AMC network, they're charging now a couple more bucks for your seat if you are in, I, I, what are they called, prime sightline yes. or something like yeah. that. So, $2 so, discount if you sit in the front row. Yeah, if you yeah, <laughs> sit in the front row for the sore neck seat. Right. Right. Uh, but, you know, right, right in the middle of the auditorium, you know, middle from the front and middle from the sides. And back, you're going to pay a couple extra bucks. I was listening to, um, I don't know what newscast it was or what it was, but they were talking, it was a comedian that was saying, I think they were trying to fast track their bankruptcy. No kidding. (laughs) I mean, what a bunch of idiots to do that. You get enough hard time getting people into the theater that you want to upcharge them to do it? Yeah, I, I, I hate them. I hate them. And not just for this. I hate everything about AMC. I hate that you go in and you wait forever if you buy a ticket because when you buy a ticket, they also do concessions at the same time. Oh. They're overcharged. You know, they're overpriced. What? Stop that? that. Stop that. Stop, okay, stop, sorry. Stop. Someone's at the door. I mean, <laughs> everything about AMC. And, and yeah, they are. I mean, you're right. We're just getting people back. Yeah. And then you're going to do that? Let's incentivize them. You know, I, 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 it's been a long time since I've been in a full theater. So, you know, and when I pick a, a seat... I just do it kind of randomly. I sit where I want. Right. So I'm sure that's what's going to happen here. I mean, the only time they'll enforce it is if they have a full house, I'm sure. But, I mean, you just sit where you want. Well, and here's the thing. With the exception of those those front rows, and they do strain on your neck. Right. And no one wants to no sit there. No one wants to sit there. Mm-mm. 
how many theaters are big enough that it really matters where you sit? Right. You know, I mean, I right. went to go see, I missed Magic Mike, um, the screening of it for reasons I'd rather not disclose. <laughs> um, and so I, I went to a screening on a, oh, it was Super Bowl Sunday. Okay, right, so Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah, Sunday first show. Yeah, and there were actually four other people in the middle front row, those prime seats, and then a, a couple more in the back row with me. I always picked the back row. Did, was that an AMC uh, no, it was Imagine Theater in Imagine. Frankfurt. Okay, I, have not been, I have not been to that. Yeah, been to the Imagine. Been to the Imagine. <laughs> uh, I know you don't like Marcus, but in Bloomington, they have an incredible IMAX theater. Uh, bigger than here in Champaign. Really? Oh, yeah. And it has the curved screen. And I mean, it's, it's one that you would find in Chicago. Bigger is better. And I went and saw Titanic last week there, and they were about half full. Wow. Which I thought That's was pretty, pretty impressive for a 25-year-old movie. And, I like uh, seeing it. Even though I didn't like the movie, and I know you make fun of me for not liking the movie, I like the fact that there was this renewed interest in something right. that is a classic and that people went to go see it. Well, I, I know you don't like the movie, but I'm surprised that you don't at least appreciate the scale and the attention to detail. I mean, it, that it, it is truly remarkable what you know they what? did. It, it probably is. It's been 25 years mm -hmm. since I have seen it. I mm -hmm. did not like it so much. I don't want to go back and see mm -hmm. it again. And that's just the way it is. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure that, you know, for that era. And, and I remember even back then, what I didn't like about it was the acting and the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And it was so freaking long. And I just needed the boat to just sink. You're awful. Die, Jack, die. You're awful. <laughs> You're just awful. <laughs> hey, let's talk about a couple more movies you okay. probably don't want to see again. Okay. <laughs> what well, are we talking about this week? I, I think, do you want to touch on Magic Mike? <laughs> no pun intended, a little bit? Or you want, uh, I yeah. guess. I mean, yeah. I, you know, when you have your um, expectations low, you open yourself up to being surprised. And I surprisingly had fun with the film. Okay. I mean, I, you know, I wasn't expecting anything. Uh, the second one was so bad. Uh, but they have, you know, Steven Soderbergh back for this last uh, version. And uh, like I say, I, I, I had fun with it. Okay. I had fun with the first one. The second one I thought was an embarrassment. It was, awful. It was cringeworthy. Mm -hmm. It was so embarrassing. Um, and the third one, I was like, eh, let's see what it is. I didn't have very high expectations, but it couldn't even meet that bar. Um, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I didn't really like it. I, I could have done without it. In all honesty, that was like almost a whole week ago, and I've really forgotten most yeah. of it, other than the fact that, and I wonder about this. We're talking about different theaters and how, you know, maybe they're saving money or mm -hmm. they're not spending enough. I struggled with how dark Magic Mike was. It's not a dark movie. I couldn't see half the characters. Yeah. The one scene, and I texted you, it looked like Channing Tatum was Woody Harrelson. yeah. yeah. That was how dark I, I, it was. I told you what they were doing. Yeah, they're saving money on the ball. Oh, yeah, some some theaters will do that. They won't project at full power to elongate the light of the bulb on those projectors because they are expensive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before. I've never heard of that before, no. but that does make sense because it was just, I mean, granted, it is London, and London is dark and dreary sure, and rainy. but, you know. <laughs> but everything took place inside. I felt claustrophobic. Everything was just, just damp. <laughs> And dingy and dark and dreary and any other DR word you can think of. 
So, um, yeah, it was droopy. Droopy. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was droopy. I don't think anything was droopy there. <laughs> I don't think anything was droopy yeah. either. Um, yeah, kind of one-dimensional. Not a whole other storylines going on. I think with Soderbergh, I expected a little bit more because I did have a little bit more fun with the first one because we had some side stories and we learned some interesting backgrounds of the other characters. There really were no other characters other than our main two. And we didn't really get into that. It was pretty much of a one-note wonder. And the, the other thing that bothered me is, Okay, this is called Magic Mike's Last Dance. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough dancing. I, you know, I've been respectful to you up until this point. Are you kidding? No, I'm Are not. Are you kidding? The there whole last not. half hour was okay, dancing. Okay, the last half hour, but I mean, what about the other hour and a half before that? They were rehearsing. They were getting you ready. Didn't, they you were... didn't see enough of their rehearsal. Oh. You did see a lot of that in the first Magic Mike. I, I loved the dancing. I loved the last half hour of them dancing in the dark. Apparently, it wasn't really the dark, but it was to me. Um, it was enough. It was enough for me. I needed more. Move on. Move I on. needed more. All move right, on. let's move on to one of my favorites. Favorites, not Ant-Man. T- take it away on Ant-Man. I can't spend any more time talking about it, so go ahead. Uh, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. Uh, this is the springboard to the next great Marvel epic. It introduces uh, the next key villain, Kang the Conqueror, played by Jonathan Majors, who you're going to sick, get sick of seeing uh, real soon because uh, he's also... Uh, Adonis Creed's opponent in Creed 3 coming up as well. I also know he has, I don't know the name of it, but I know he had a film at Sundance uh, in which he plays a bodybuilder. Uh, and he was in devotion over the yeah. holidays. So, yeah. I mean, he's, it's his moment right now. Yeah. Uh, and in many ways, he's the best thing about this movie. Um, movie's like two films in one. And the first hour drags. <gasps> Boy, does it drag. Uh, it's really... I think Marvel is trying to do a Star Wars thing here because you we're think? introduced into a this new world. Uh, Scott, Ant-Man, and the Wasp, the parents, Janet and uh, Hank, played by Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas, and then Catherine Newton, Cassie, uh, Scott's daughter. They all get sucked into the quantum realm, and it's this microscopic, but at the same time, expansive universe down there. And we're introduced to all these different characters, all these different species, all these different worlds. And, and these, these different worlds and these different species, they're just begging for a backstory to be written about them so that they can have a Disney Plus series. I mean, that's what they want. Um, the other thing that I found really frustrating with the first hour was that Michelle Pfeiffer, who I love, and she's front and center for the first hour, which is great. That's great. She has been in the quantum realm. That's where she escaped from in the second film. And we find out, she, find, she tells us that she and Kang, the bad guy, have a history. But I don't know how many times she said, but I can't tell you about it now. We need to go find Scott and Cassie. That was so damn frustrating. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? Mm-hmm. Really? That whole hour could have been condensed down to about a half hour and would have made a much better film. I mean, I'll give you that. Once Kang shows up, I thought the film shifted gears. And I know you didn't like this because no. I know you think that the Ant-Man film should be lighthearted. And I think that's been part of their charm, the first two. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. But it shifts gears big time in the second half. It becomes much more serious. We are world building at this point because, as I say, this is setting up all the next, I don't know how many films in this movie. God. and or In this franchise. And I really like the fact that Scott got serious. I mean, when his daughter is threatened, when that's the when those are the stakes, I mean, he this is no longer Mr. Nice Guy. And I, and I thought that was good. It's a standard ending. I mean, everything blows up, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we get that. Uh, the two post-credit scenes are important. 
for there, there are two. There are two. Yeah, they're, <laughs> oh, they're important. Uh, especially, did you see the first one at least? I did. Yeah, that one's really important because we get Kang from all the different timelines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, converging, and that is going to be a big, big mess. So I wondered why I was the first one to leave the theater. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, maybe you shouldn't just, I think maybe you just shouldn't see these movies anymore. Yeah, but I, you know what? Here's the thing. I, I, every once in a while, I am pleasantly surprised. But that, but that every once in a while is becoming more and more rare. Isn't it, though? That's I, because I, these these movies are all morphing into the same dark universe, and boy, I tell you, I well, do. Supposed to? Why? Why? It's is, is Shazam going to do that too? Is no, Gar that's DC, Guardi dear. That's DC. I, but they're the same to me now. They're all dark mm. and dreary. Everything's dark and dreary. Magic Mike is dark and dreary. Ant Maybe you're just in a dark and Maybe dreary place. Maybe I am. Maybe which I, need I don't to go back understand to Cuba. why you just came back from Cuba for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> it is spring. Um, um, yeah, I, I just. It, it, it just blended into every other superhero to me. And I, I did love the fact that we had two female leads. We had Cassie and we had Janet. Um, and, and Hope, don't forget and, Hope. And Hope. She was really in the background, she was. though. She really was not And what has happened with her look? Um, it's gotten very severe. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. She's had work done and it hasn't worked, but yeah, Evangeline Lilly, she. She's yeah. beautiful, but yeah, she everything about her is different in this yes. series or in this particular movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything just was, was the same as every other superhero, and this is going to just go to the background with me. I did, I did like Jonathan Majors. Um, I liked his character. Mm -hmm. He is, I couldn't think of the guy's name, and you reminded me of Thanos. He is like the Thanos, but mm -hmm. here we go again. It's just another superhero movie with the same type of evil bad guy out to kill the so, rest of the worlds that exist. So... You know, oh, and, and here's the conversation that we that we've had before. I think, you know, and the other thing that's been on my mind lately have been rom coms because of, you know, Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about the superhero formula. You know, every genre has a formula. Sure, we we know this. Sure. And not one of the rom coms that came out in the last month did it for me. Right. Because I found them all just kind of about the same and really just going yeah. through the motions. And you know, I and, and I wrote this in in one of my reviews for one of them. Yeah, there are no original stories. I think we've covered all okay. of that. It's okay as long as you come at it as though it's original right. when you're performing, and there's a bit of enthusiasm about it. Uh, I didn't see any enthusiasm in this, and I also saw a lot of, of what I would think be like copyright, and you'll have to remind me, this is Marvel, Marvel. and is that owned by Disney? Yes. Which is which owns Star Wars, correct? Yes, they own everything. Okay, they own everything. Okay, because I saw a lot of Star Wars characters in there. <laughs> Pseudo Star Wars right? characters. Pseudo right? Star Wars characters. Yeah, completely. Okay. And then and then also it was like these sea creatures. Um, when we were uh, snorkeling in, in Cuba, we saw an eagle ray. And that thing's massive. And that's one of the things that they ride on is an eagle ray. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right. which is kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it just, it, it, it lacked, I mean, the, the special effects were cool. They were vibrant, um, but they were not original. Everything was lifted from something else. So, uh, to me, that imagination wasn't there, and I needed that humor. I, I know Ant-Man is being funny. Michael Douglas, Douglas is freaking funny. I think Michelle Pfeiffer with him can be funny. And Scott, um, played by Paul Rudd, he's a comic genius. Mm -hmm. So, why do you have all these comic actors if you're not going to take advantage of that? Cast somebody else, you know? I mean, I know it's too late at this point and he has to be Ant-Man, but where's the humor? You know, get, give me a little bone here, you know? Throw one for me. I need, <laughs> I need some freaking humor. 
<laughs> Shut up, Chuck. <laughs> I don't think that's all you need. <laughs> so, why don't we move on? We what move else on. do we have this week? Uh, what else do we have? We've got Sharper, which I don't think you liked as much as I did. Um, I'm not sure what your final final thought on that one is. It uh, stars Julianne Moore. And Define what Sharper means, by the way, because they go out of their way to make sure that they do that at the beginning of the film. You know, I don't know. I did not catch that. You did not catch that. I did not well, catch that. It is a fancy term for a con artist. Ah, I did not a catch card that. card sharp, card sharper, card sharp. Sharper, huh? Yeah, it's not card shark. I didn't. Card sharper. Okay. All right, mm -hmm. I missed that. Thank you for explaining that. Because as I was driving down here today, I was trying to think, what does sharper mean? And That's what? No idea. So there we go. It is about a con artist. Reading is fundamental, by the way. <laughs> just want to let you know that. <laughs> A con artist. A Are you con kidding? Artist. Everyone's a con Every, artist yeah. in this who's, damn movie. Who's scamming whom? And that's basically what it boils down to. We meet Tom, um, who owns a bookstore, and that's played by Justice Smith, and Sandra, who happens into his his quaint little old-timey bookshop in New York City, played by Brianna Middleton. The two have chemistry. They kind of fall in love. They start dating. But then something happens with Sandra's brother, and he's in the midst of some mob action where he owes money. And then together, Tom and Sandra figure out a way to save her brother through finances. But then we learn we don't really know who either of them really is. And then we're introduced to a few more characters, including Julianne Moore's character of Madeline and um, Sebastian Stan's character of Max, who have a very bizarre relationship, one that twists and turns also. This is a very twisty, turny kind mm -hmm. of movie. If you're prone yeah. to whiplash, you should not watch this film. <laughs> <laughs> you do got to stay on your toes, and some things really don't make sense as you're watching it. But if you sit back and just enjoy it, it's a lot of fun. I know you had some issues issues with it along the way you were texting well, me but I think they were answered in the end they were answered they? in the end yeah okay yeah. okay and everything does get stitched together you got a lot of loose ends going every which way but then you find through the storytelling style of seeing everybody's perspective and everybody's background we get to know each of the characters and then how they intersect and what happens at the end is pretty unexpected. I, I enjoyed this one. I was on the edge of my seat watching all the way through. I loved all the characters and I loved all the performances. So I really enjoyed this movie. And don't forget John Lithgow is a billionaire <laughs> who gets sucked into this as well. Um, my son actually watched this. Which one? With me, Grant. Okay. Which kind of surprised me. He's taking a film class right now. So I think he's starting to pick up on things that, you know, and he's getting a bit more interested, I hope. That's good. So, yeah, so he watched it, and it kept his interest. He is genetically uh, predisposed for film loving, No, right? he, well, <laughs> you would think. You would think. But he, he is, doesn't of like course, Hallmark, does he? he? No, we sit around and make fun of it okay, and, and right, drive right. my wife insane. <laughs> but he is predisposed of the, you know, cell phone generation, which, yeah. of course, you have to look at every 30 seconds because something might happen. And he wasn't looking at it too much. Good. During this, which I thought was a... a, a a good sign. That being said, he hasn't seen many con artist films, so this okay. was all new to him. Ah. Um, you know, and I was talking to him, I don't know how it came up, but I was talking to him about Rotten Tomatoes uh, and how there have been times when I was the deciding factor between fresh and rotten, and wouldn't you know it, when I went to post my review for this, it was sitting at 59%. Oh, was it really? Yes. And which way did you go? I pushed it to 60. Okay, good. I ended up recommending this film. I think, you know, I, I kept thinking of the David Ma Mamet films. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, House of Games. Yeah. Uh, Great movie. Heist. I mean, those movies just hum. Grifters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just hum along. They just hum along. They're smooth, uh, well-oiled machines. This one, you can see the machine working. Okay. 
you know what's happening. It doesn't, it doesn't seemingly occur organically as it does in Mammoth's films. Okay. I knew what was happening, and you see the machine working, and I think there's maybe... I think it tries to be a little bit too clever at times. There's, there's like one twist too many. Okay. Uh, that being said, uh, as you said, as it goes on, uh, the questions I had were answered. And I did like one thing, uh, which I thought made it a little bit fresh, was how they mixed up the timeline. Mm-hmm. You don't realize it at first, but then you understand, wait, what's past, what's present, right. what's... A, and that really helped keep me interested. Right, right. Like, oh, okay, all the cards are starting to fall together here. This is making sense. Okay, I get it now. So, and I really enjoyed seeing um, each each chapter, if you will, was right. labeled Sandra. Yeah, we were focused on a character, and so we got more information about them to find out how they got to this current day point. Which, as you get through that information, then colors everything you've seen before right. about them. Right. So, yeah, it's clever, maybe a bit too clever, but definitely worth a watch. I mean, uh, like it's I said, it's on Apple TV. It's on Apple TV. If you don't like it, there's always something. But uh, <laughs> give it at least a half hour, I'd say. Absolutely. I, I, I think I did enjoy it a bit more than you. Mm-hmm. I'll have to post my review. I have not done that yet. So. Yeah, because it's right on the borderline on okay. Rotten Tomatoes. So All right, I need if to you're inclined, there, push it yep, over. I will try, try to put my foot on that tomato scale and mm-hmm. push it up. Yep. What else do we have? Do we have anything else, Chuck? Marlo, did you get through that? Oh, Jesus dude. Christ. I did. I did. I have read all of Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe novels and stories. I love him. I love Chandler. He's a great writer. Uh, awful man, I hear. Oh, really? uh, but a great writer. Uh, you know, Philip Marlowe is, you know, one of the seminal uh, American literary creations of the 20th century. Uh, and all that and that stuff is usually overlooked because you know it's considered pulp. It's considered sure. you know you know. Love. But but when you read his writing, it's like oh my god, the way he he does uses his words. Uh, this is based on a novel written by someone else using the characters. Oh. And um, God, does it stink? Oh, good. God, does it stink? <laughs> I thought you liked it. I was like, no. oh my god, this is horrible. I wanted to like it. That's the thing. I wanted to like it because I like these stories. I like these yeah. types of movies. I like this character. And it's just like, man, you know, formula, Jesus Christ. I mean, if you've seen Chinatown, if you've seen The Big Sleep, if you see, I mean, it, it is, I, you, I had deja vu, I don't know how many times watching this movie. Yeah. And all I was thinking of were better movies. <laughs> and that's not what you want no. when people are watching your movie. But like you said, it's okay to have a formula. It's okay not to have anything super original, but you've got to have characters that interest you and that are believable. And oh man, you know, I'm not a Liam Neeson fan. I know you're not. Um, and he, and you, you texted me something that said he's looking his age. He's and looking I said, his age, yeah. He's acting exactly like he's looking, stiff and stilted. Oh. His performance was, he was not the right well, person. Let's he's look at miscast. John, yes. Let's look at John Hamm and Fletch. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. yeah. How unoriginal is that? Yeah. yeah. Totally unoriginal. So much fun. Mm-hmm. Why John Hamm yeah. and the entire cast? Well, and the cast of this in a, in a addition to Neeson, Diane Kruger, Danny Houston, they're just sleepwalking through this. I think Jessica Lang was having some fun. She was okay. She did. Yeah. But to, to Neeson's credit, he's he's miscast in this film. Yeah. Uh, and you know you're in trouble when he uses the line, "I'm getting too old for this." I'm like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ! Really, <laughs> really, you are, you're you're te- you know you're, you're just making no bones about the fact that there's nothing original about this yeah. film. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you know when I get bored, 
I'll get on IMDb and I'll, you know. You know what Neeson's next film is? Oh, No, 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 no. No, this is a masterstroke. Really? They're remaking The Naked Gun. Okay. And he's going to be the Liam, Leslie Nielsen character. Oh, no. Leslie Nielsen before that was nothing but a dramatic actor. Really? Yeah. Go back and look through the 50s and 60s. He's Mr. Serious. And then that changed everything for him. Oh, I think this could really work because he's so damn serious and you need that when every all the insanity is spinning around you. I think it could work. Okay. Let's do me a favor. Let's make sure we both go to that one together. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll do a little post video and let you guys know. When is that one due? Uh, they're going to start filming this summer, so it'll be next year at some point. Okay. But uh, yeah, Marlowe, Jesus God, skip it. Absolutely, Awful. it's streaming, right? They no, it's in theaters. <gasps> it's in theaters. It's in theaters. Oh my god! I think you know, you know what's as far as theaters go, they're finding now uh, in the past month that older people are going back again. Oh, are they? Uh, this eighty for Brady was a was you a know, hit. and yeah. a man called Otto. Okay. Uh, so they, they're, that's they're still start- playing. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're yeah. starting to get that older uh, demographic back, and I think that Marlowe was attempting. Is attempting to get that crowd back. Yeah, okay, I mean, okay. the period piece. Sure. All the ca- so, so we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, and I know Jane Fonda is riding that old folks train the next couple months. Yeah. Uh, got what book club part two coming out? God yeah. help me. Uh, <laughs> and then she's got a movie coming out with Lily Tomlin. Did you see the preview to that? No, I haven't. This one looks interesting. Okay. They're best friends. Okay. They go to their third best friend's funeral. Aww. And Malcolm McDowell is the widower. Aww. And Fonda goes up to, up to him. He says, oh, she says, okay, I'm going to kill you. Because apparently he was not good to her friend. Oh. And that's how the whole film spins out. Oh, that I sounds kind of good. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. Okay. Yeah, you know, it doesn't look, you know, certainly much more interesting than Book Club, uh, Book Club or 80 <laughs> for Brady. I'm like, oh, we might have a little teeth here right. with this thing. <laughs> not a denture, um, but some actual teeth. Yeah. It's great. And, 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 you know, McDowell is usually the bad guy. And his expression in the trailer is just great. I mean, he's completely taken aback uh, by her saying this, uh, which is really pretty cool. It is called, no, they don't even have it listed. They don't? Where did you see it? Oh, Moving On. Moving On. It's called Moving On. Okay. Yeah. yeah. When's that one doing? It was, it was on the, uh, it was, they showed it before 80 for Brady oh. when I went to the, uh, to the theaters. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, looks though April. Okay. April. So Moving On. So, ooh, I like it already. 85 minutes. Ooh, even I'm better. There. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it worth our well, while. Well, you know, the old old folks who go to it, I mean, they got to get to dinner by four. So, this you know, you got to do that. This is true. Nothing okay, wrong I'm going, that. I'm going to geriatric hell. <laughs> so, next week, I think we're going to go back to um, video. We had done a couple of those with some uh, guest critics. Uh, yes. I think we're going to do that. We'll get somebody uh, else on board to tell Pam that she's wrong about things. Uh, and we <laughs> I, I will do, keep you posted. I do want to say that Jeffrey York, who was our last guest, seemed to really appreciate my perspective on And so did today. Reggie. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then my it? estimation of both of them was then altered when I realized. <laughs> I was like, wow, you guys aren't as smart as I thought. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Boy, perspective is everything. It is it? everything, yeah. yeah. It's just like timing. And guess what, gang? We're it's out of time it. to go. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for video and audio of Real Talk with Chuck and Pam.